0: Uniting the races with truth instead of dividing them with lies. We're also rebuilding the family by rebuilding the man. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Welcome to the show. I have with me someone that I have been wanting to speak with for a long time. At one point, I was on his show, and it was amazing. I have with me American journalist and author Bill O'Reilly. Bill, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it.
1: Joe, Reverend, it's my pleasure.
0: It is an honor to have you on. There are things that I've been wanting to ask you for a long time. So before I get to your brand new book, The United State of Trump, How the President Really Sees America by Bill O'Reilly, a couple of things. You've been doing well since the show, since not being on your show?
1: Yeah, I mean, we have our own news agency on BillOReilly.com. I do a syndicated radio program to more than 200 stations, and uh, we write books, Reverend. So we're busy. (laughs) We're busy here.
0: That's right. You know, when you left Fox News, you made a statement that has stuck in my head. I I often wonder, what did you mean about it? You said something like, and I don't remember exact words, and I don't know if you remember now, but you said you thought that God was protecting you more or something like that. Do you remember that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What did you mean by that?
1: Well, the um, circumstances of my life uh, have been interesting. Uh, So we've had very high highs and we have some low lows, just like everybody. Yes. Um, You know, everybody's life is that. Yes. And people need to understand that when the challenges occur, you have to uh, deal with them in a rational way. So um, Fox News and I, after more than 20 years, uh, parted ways um, on a number of different levels. We weren't agreeing with new management in there. Um, and, you know, it wasn't easy for me to separate, obviously. I enjoyed doing my program, and you mentioned you were on it, um, but it was time. Yes. And in the Bible, there's a passage, there's a time for every season. And a lot of us have trouble accepting that. I know. But I didn't. I saw it was time, and so I left, and, and now I'm doing other things that are uh, prospering.
0: And so when you made the statement you thought God were protecting you, did you think that he had stopped protecting you?
1: Well, you get frustrated when things are not fair in life, right? Everybody yeah. does that. Even the strongest people of faith. You know, look at Abraham. Um, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> you know, we yeah. don't we can't figure it out because we're not smart enough to figure it out. And so you know, I there were things that happened and I said, this is so grossly unfair and it's not right, um, but there wasn't anything I could do about it. Right. So I basically then had to accept it and then move ahead, which I've done.
0: And how's your relationship with God now?
1: Well, you know, I've been a, and I, you know this because we've discussed it before, I've been a Roman Catholic f- since birth. Yes. And my family goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. I honor that tradition Um, I'm not real thrilled about the Catholic Church and the leadership of it, although I like the Pope. Um, But I separate the men who run it from the theology of Jesus, which I believe is um, flawless. That's the best word, flawless.
0: Uh, You mentioned the Pope, and I've noticed that this Pope seemed to be more liberal than— I don't know a lot about the Catholic Church because, you know, I'm a Christian, Baptist kind of a thing— But this pope seemed to be more liberal than any other pope that I'm aware of. And is that true? And what do you think about that?
1: It is true. He's a liberation theologist. Liberation theology is that the church and Catholics and Christians should work united to lift up the poor and throw off the people who are perhaps not helping the poor. It's called liberation theology. Right. He is that. But he's a good man, in my opinion. I've seen him up close and personal. He uh, is very compassionate and kind, which are two things that I think all Christians have to work on. Absolutely. And I respect him, even though I may disagree with some of the things that he says.
0: And the other thing I wanted to ask you about, and I want to get to the United States of Trump, was Killing Jesus, Jesus, your book on Killing Jesus. Amazing book, by the way. And I like the fact that you said that it wasn't a spiritual book. It was more of a, I guess, political book, right?
1: Uh, Well, it was was a history of the man. Right,
0: history book, right.
1: Right, history of the man. See, when we wrote Killing Jesus, I, I gave my researcher, Martin Dugard, the mandate. So we can't put anything in the book that's not verified. Yes. by historical documents. So there were two uh, entities keeping track of Jesus. There was the Jewish historians on the ground, all right, where he was. Yes. And then there were the Roman historians who filed reports about Jesus the insurrectionist through Pontius Pilate's operation. Pilate was the Roman governor in Palestine. So, We had to ferret out all of those reports from the Jewish point of view and the Roman point of view before we put it in the book, which is why I think killing Jesus is perhaps the best look at the man who actually walked the face of the earth.
0: It really helped me to understand Jesus better uh, as a man too, because prior to killing Jesus, I really just thought of him as a spiritual person. You know what I'm saying? I didn't see him as a, you know, like a regular man on the earth dealing with life and dealing with the issues of life until I read that book. Before you did the book, did you see him in a different light?
1: I always was fascinated by Jesus of Nazareth for one reason only. How could a working man, a stone cutter, that's what Jesus was, a stonecutter, and he learned a trade from his father, Joseph. How could a stone cutter, in the middle of nowhere, Nazareth, become the most famous person who's ever lived? Right. How could that happen? <laughs> That's right. Okay? So I always started there, and I said, this has got to be something divine about it. Yes. Because it just couldn't happen by luck. It's impossible. Right. So I'm a a rational thinker. So I started there. And then when The Killing series got a very uh, popular 17 million copies in print, by the way, of the eight books, I said, I got to I got to put Jesus up there and I've got to tell people about him as a man. It's not meant to convert anybody. It's just that this is probably the most extraordinary story of a human being that's ever been. And here it is.
0: And so at the end, now you see him in what way? How do you see Jesus? Well, I believe
1: he's God. I do. I believe that, and that's what Catholics and Christians believe. Right. But I don't impose that on anyone. And in my book, I don't have the resurrection. Book ends with his death. Yeah,
0: notice that.
1: Right. Because I can't prove that he ascended into heaven. I believe it. And I believe that the reason that he attracted five, 6,000 people was because he was doing works that were miraculous. I mean, look, there were a lot of messiahs floating around back then. Everybody was a messiah. But this guy, Jesus, got six, 7,000 people <laughs> to stand there in the hot sun yep. and listen to him. There had to be a reason that separated him from all of the others. And I think that reason was his miraculous works.
0: That's amazing. Excellent book, I have to tell you. Just, I'm black and a little slow, so I don't like reading that much, but I <laughs> couldn't put it down.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate
0: that. I really, because I'm so interested in Jesus, I knew you had done a really good story on it. Did you try to prove the resurrection or you just decided no, I don't want to deal with that?
1: I didn't deal with it because we don't have any evidence other than um, a disappearance of a body. We know that happened, but we don't have ev- any evidence of what happened after that.
0: Right. And speaking of Jesus, oh, were you able to forgive the people who were treated to you in the way that they treated you?
1: You know what? I'm uh, I'm neutral on that in the sense that there were some, and not only in my circumstance, but in a lot of other circumstances. There's a lot of evil out there, Reverend. Yes. Um, and I. Uh, I confront as much of it as I can, and uh, I'm not going to forgive a blanket uh, evil. If someone comes to me and asks for forgiveness, I have to, as a Christian. But if somebody's actively committing evil, and many, many people are these days, yes, then I have to fight against that.
0: The one thing I to tell you is that um, I had a lot. Of, I had some anger in my heart. And I asked God to let me see what it was because it made me emotional. I had fear and doubt and all that kind of stuff. And I remember asking him to let me see. And he allowed me to see that I resented my mother who tried to turn me away from my father. And I had this yearning for my father, that emptiness, that void was a yearning for my real father. And so I went and forgave my mother. And um, and she apologized because she said, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't realize I had turned you away from your father like that. And I'm sorry. And she told me about her life and exactly what she had done to me. Her mother had done it to her, turned me yeah. away from her father. And when I forgave her and my father, it's like God took away the spirit of anger. And, I, and 30 years have gone by now. And I have absolutely perfect peace. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But so far, I've been able to deal with the challenges that, you know, comes sure. in life. And
1: you were, you were doing exactly what Jesus would have advised you to do. Yes. Um, you know, and, and so that's a good lesson for all of your listeners.
0: Yes. Your family as well, right?
1: Everybody is good here. Thank you for asking, Reverend.
0: Yeah. Uh, so speaking of Jesus, I have, ob- as I did with you, I have observed Donald Trump. I call him the great white hope. I've noticed that um, since announcing that he was going to run for president, the attack came, but yet it has not been able to stop him. Um, What were you thinking when Donald Trump first ran for president?
1: Well, I didn't think he had a chance, and I've known him for 30 years, which is why I was um, in a good position to write the United States of Trump. I didn't think he had a chance in the world to win. And why is that? Because the establishment was arrayed against him, so I figured, you know, Jeb Bush—he's got resources, he's got contacts, he's got the party backing—and if it's not him, Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz—they're senators, they got a lot of power—and here comes this businessman with a checkered past, uh, who's really <laughs> never been uh, elected to anything. What chances does he have? But he hit it right at the moment, right at the right time in history where many Americans are fed up with establishment politicians and they are today that continues. Yes. And he was able to get through by being bombastic and flamboyant and uh basically saying this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy this corrupt system we have in Washington and rebuild it. And it worked, but they hate him for doing it and you know, he's never had a peaceful day since he announced his presidency, not
0: one. Yeah, I when, when the president announced when well, he was coming down the stairs and he announced that he was running and why he was running and what he would do, I said then, this is our next president. He will be president because he said things with such boldness and love. And we, the people, were hungry for that. We needed somebody to come in and be real with us in America and work for the country. And I never doubted that he would win.
1: Well, that's, you know, you're perceptive. I had the first interview with him when he came down the escalator. He did his little deal, and he went back up the escalator (laughs) into a room where I was waiting for him. And I did the first interview with him. But I got to tell you, at that time, I I didn't think he was going to be able to pull it off. Um, uh, The first time I said he's going to win the presidency was five days before the vote. When I saw how ineffective Hillary Clinton's final push was, I said, you know what, to my audience, on Tuesday, I think this was a Thursday night, um, Trump's going to win. Amazing. And uh, that was the first time. So you were way ahead of me, Reverend.
0: He seemed like the guy that's difficult to get and and just sit down for a moment to talk, right? How difficult was it for you to get him to sit down and
1: talk with you? If you let him do the talking, it's not difficult. (laughs) If you want to talk, then it gets to be a little problematic. He'd known me for so long. He was a big fan of the O'Reilly Factor. Yes. He knew the power of the program. So it wasn't hard to get him. In fact, uh, I saw him yesterday, uh, and I'm doing a big radio interview with him on the 25th of November um, for our uh, affiliates all across the country. And, you know, he still trusts that I won't try to hurt him. Yes. I'm going to be tough. Yes. But I'm not going to try to hurt him.
0: How did you meet him? How did you first come to know Donald Trump?
1: Well, I was anchoring a show called Inside Edition, uh, still on the air. And uh, he was uh, a tabloid king uh, with the Marla Maple stuff, which I write about in the United States of Trump. And uh, so I was covering him. And we had sports and media in common. Uh, he liked it. I was kind of flamboyant. And you know me. Uh, <laughs> I'll speak my mind. Yes. He likes that. So yep. then we started going to games together, you know, the Yankees, the Knicks, the Mets. Um, and we, uh, we got a good acquaintanceship going.
0: Um, how does uh, uh, President Trump see America? In your opinion, how does he see America?
1: Well, he's a transactional president like Franklin Delano Roosevelt was. And very people, few people understand that. So he says, look, I believe America is fundamentally a good country that should be great. Is good, but it should be great. Yeah, And my deal-making skills are going to make it great. That's to make America great again. Right. Um, now the slogan is keep America great, which he stole from me, by the way. <laughs> and I'm, I'm awaiting a big check on that.
0: Um, that's um, right.
1: But he, he believes that the system, if run properly, benefits everybody, uh, uh, minorities, ma- uh, billionaires, whatever it may be. Um, but he's frustrated that uh, previous presidents did not make good deals for America. And that's what he's trying to write in his administration. I
0: noticed that the media pretend to see him as thin-skinned. You call him a man of steel, able to absorb more punishment than anyone you ever known, uh, except for John McCain. I don't see the comparison between President Trump and John McCain.
1: Well, McCain, basically, uh, what I was trying to get at there is that what he went through in North Vietnam as a captive and and what he um, experienced afterward, a lot of turbulence. McCain always was feisty enough to come through it. The only president that's taken the amount of hatred that Donald Trump has had to absorb was Abraham Lincoln. If you look at Lincoln when he first got elected, there are pictures of him. He aged about 30 years in four years. Right. He was assassinated just after his second inauguration. He aged 30 years. I mean, they hated him, and Lincoln knew it, and they tried every way to destroy him, and they finally did. Donald Trump is second to him because the press despises him so much, because he outwitted the press. He doesn't need the press, right. um, that every day it's something else. And the guy absorbs the punishment. You know, when I saw him yesterday, he was, gave a good speech for Veterans Day. And, you know, he can function. Most people couldn't.
0: How do you see America today, Bill?
1: You know, I think the country is at a crossroads, Reverend. Um, All this socialism stuff and all this, America is a bad, hateful country. And if you're a black person, you should despise the history (laughs) of this country all of that is really bad. And traditional Americans are are sitting there going, how did this happen so fast? Barack Obama was not a revolutionary. He was not a a guy who said, America's a hateful place, and I got to do X, Y, and Z. He didn't govern that way. But all of a sudden, it exploded into, we're terrible. USA's awful, right? And we're oppressors and and all this. And, you know, the next election, America's going to have to decide whether you want to go that route or do you want to go the traditional route. Big election.
0: I, uh, as you know, I grew up on a plantation down in Alabama under the Jim Crow laws. I remember colors only signs and all that stuff. But the complaints that I hear today, I never heard while growing up. We, were, we had families. We worked hard. The elderly knew that there were good and bad in all cultures and all races. And so they taught us to treat people the way that we would like to be treated. And so we met white people who didn't hate black people and black people who didn't hate white people. And we got along because we knew then. And now when I hear the complaints now, I, it's like I'm in another world. I don't know where I'm at. I want to I want to go back to the plantation days.
1: Well, the grievance industry has been very effective in convincing young Americans that they don't have a chance yeah. in life. Look at you. I mean, you know, from an Alabama farm, and now you're a national figure. You're a man of God. You have a media platform. Come on. Could this have happened in China? No. <laughs> That's right. You know, Russia? No. You know, even Europe, it, it couldn't happen. So I, I think that it's, it's incumbent upon people like me and you to get the message out that this is propaganda. Yes. This is what they call a false god,
0: this
1: uh, secular socialism. It's not true, all right? And if you go down that road, it's going to lead to disaster.
0: And, And just to add to that, because I'm so grateful, is that I barely finished high school. As you see, I don't speak proper English. But because I love what's right, I love God with all my heart, soul, and might. I love everybody. I have no resentment against anyone. He is just—and I was taught to work from day one. I just deal with life as things come. I've always done that, and that's what we need back. We need the family back. I want to ask you one other thing about John McCain. Do you think John McCain ever forgave President Trump for saying he liked heroes who 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 weren't captured?
1: No, he never forgave him, and neither did his family, and that's the genesis of the McCain-Trump feud. And I scolded Donald Trump when he said that on the air. <laughs> uh, I said that's not right. Yeah, that isn't right. And I think Trump knew in his heart that it was wrong. But if you, when you read uh, the United States of Trump, the president never admits a mistake. <laughs> he just doesn't do it.
0: And why is that?
1: He sees it as a sign of weakness.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. You write—you also says that Trump is quick to forgive. What, what do you mean by that? How do you know that? Well,
1: he—it depends what you do to him. I mean, he, at, at various times, is very mad at me because I would criticize things that I didn't feel uh, were right, like the McCain thing and other things. But, you know, he yell at me and, or he wouldn't take my calls, whatever. <laughs> but then three weeks later, you know, we'd be back. So he's not a grudge holder. But if you go in deep and try to hurt him and his family, then, then he will hold a grudge.
0: Yeah. Um, one other thing that I really wanted to bring up, and I think it's important for all people to live by, you say that Trump is— no person, no doubt, no fear, no apology, no retreat. And what do you mean by that?
1: Well, as a warrior. Um, he's very self-confident in his ability to win. Everything's divided up into win-loss, and he's going to win. Um, he's not going to back down from anyone. The only person on earth he ever feared was his father.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: I get into that a lot in the book.
0: Yeah, I read that.
1: Yeah. And everything else was like, look, I mean, I don't care what you say or who you are. I'm going to do what I think the right thing to do is. And so I admire that. I mean, a strong leader. We need that in this country. When I was
0: while growing up, that's the way men were when I was growing up. They were not afraid. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, male or female, uh, relative or non-relative. If you were wrong, they're going to tell you that you're wrong. And if someone didn't like it, oh, well, they still had to say and do what they thought was right.
1: Different era then, Reverend. Now we don't even know what bathroom to use. I know. (laughs) know. A lot of changes.
0: Um, I really appreciate this book. Um, Just one other thing, and then I have a couple questions I'm done. You say that Trump said that his greatest achievement was the Mueller investigation because it exposed the corruption.
1: The last chapter of the United States of Trump, I interviewed the president right after the Mueller investigation came in. And it was the first time in 30 years I'd ever seen him show emotion. Now, I wasn't crying or anything like that, but he believed that he was exonerated and that what he went through would be admired by most fair-minded people, that he took all of the accusations and allegations, didn't crack, governed right through it, and that, to him, was, was his biggest achievement, to get through it, and that he thought that people would admire that. Now, I believe some did, yeah. but that's where he was coming from.
0: Amazing. What do you think about this so-called impeachment thing that's supposed to start tomorrow, I think? What do you, what are you? What are your thoughts on, the, on that impeachment?
1: Well, he tweeted—President Trump tweeted something that I had said on BillOReilly.com, THAT IT'S NOT ABOUT IMPEACHMENT OR IT'S NOT ABOUT MISCONDUCT WITH UKRAINE. THIS IS ABOUT SUBVERTING DEMOCRACY. YEAH. SO THE TRUMP HATERS COULDN'T GET THEM ON RUSSIAN COLLUSION, COULDN'T GET THEM ON THE OTHER SOCIAL STUFF THAT THEY TRIED. SO NOW HERE WE ARE. A PHONE CALL TO A PRESIDENT OF UKRAINE ASKING FOR HELP IN UNCOVERING ALLEGED CORRUPTION that actually is being investigated by the Justice Department, that's enough to remove a sitting president? No, it's not. He won't be removed. The Senate knows it's a political game. And most Americans, I believe, know it too.
0: And so are the Democrats, the liberal media, the Democrats, uh, the Neville Trumpers, the rightos, are they so angry that they can't see that? All of these this time, nothing they have done hurt the president, why don't they pull back and try to do something for the country, and maybe then they can get the support of the people? Why can't they see it's not working?
1: It's only 12 months, and then we vote. Yeah. So if I were the head of the Democratic Party, I'd say, look, let's put this on the shelf. If uh, the Democratic candidates want to use it as an issue, okay, But we might really hurt our own party when this thing is over and nothing comes of it. That's what I would do. Me too. I would. (laughs) Right. You got 12 months. That's going to go by like that. That's right. Americans can decide if they want the man to continue to lead or they want somebody else.
0: I have never. And I've watched you closely over the years. I've never heard you say how you vote. Are you still keeping that to yourself?
1: Yes. Because my job is to watch all the powerful people, Reverend, everybody. Uh, I'm, I'm the guy who reports back to the folks and tells the folks the truth. Yeah, I can't be rooting for any political party or rooting for any ideology, I can't. I can tell you how I see it and why I see it that way, but I'm not gonna get into the partisanship. That's not me. I, I mean, go ahead. go ahead. No, I was <laughs> gonna say, I've shifted a little bit now because I see danger on the left, where I didn't see a lot of danger with Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. I didn't like some of Obama's stuff, but yeah. I didn't think it was dangerous. These people, I think, are dangerous. So I've shifted a little bit in that. But again, I'm not going to tell anybody who I vote for.
0: I am so grateful for President Donald Trump. I call him the great white hope. And everybody and their mama know I support him. (laughs) Because I'm grateful. I love America. And I think that and I truly believe we're the greatest country on the world. I've always felt that way, even as a little kid. And I just think it's time that somebody stood up and put the country first and fought for and fight for the country and the president seemed to be doing that.
1: Well, I respect your opinion, Reverend, and you got to keep giving it to everybody so they know that a guy like you believes that.
0: I got to ask this. Um, I've been saying that there's an attack upon white people, especially straight white conservative men. And the young guys, they are becoming angry because they have no one to help them through this. You know, they, if they speak up, they'll call right-wingers and all that crap. Uh, do you see an attack upon white people in America?
1: I don't know if it's white that drives it. I was attacked every day of my life when I worked for Fox News. I had to have security go with me. I had have, There was a point where I had to have security guards living in my house. Yeah, uh, People wanted to hurt me. Eventually, uh, enough money was assembled, and they, they were successful. Um, just, but I didn't think it had anything to do with my color. It, it did, Bill. With,
0: it, because it you, did, but you I, white I don't look man. at it that
1: way. I, I don't look at it that way. I could be wrong. Yeah. All right? Yeah. But I, I felt that it had to do with I was a powerful man. I was upholding traditional values. I was openly Christian. And I think the secularists said, we got to get rid of him. Yeah. And it took them a long time. But they finally succeeded. Um, Do you believe that white people, uh, they're trying
0: to take white people out of power? It seems to be. Oh, yeah,
1: sure. That's why Biden's having such a hard time. Yeah. uh, Because he's an older white guy. Um, And, that you know, look, the far left, they think that uh, the white patriarchy, as they call it, has corrupted the nation. All the founding fathers are bad Jefferson's a rat. You know, I mean, it's so crazy. Yes. So, yeah, there is a color scheme in play there. um, But I think the ideology is is more driving them crazy than the color. But I could be wrong.
0: Well, help me to understand, how is it that you can go into a country that was founded and created by white people based on the principles of God— And then these white people create a constitution or whatever, and they say, okay, we're going to let other people in. They let you in, and then you come, and what you do is attack the very same people who allowed you. It's like inviting someone into your home and they attack you. How is it that they're able to do that rather than showing gratitude and adding to it and making it better?
1: Well, I I mean, I see most immigrants. to America as good, hardworking people. I mean, I see it in my own eyes. But I feel that they don't quite understand how they're being manipulated by political parties and and how they're being sold something that isn't true. Um, it takes a lot of study and perception to really know the truth in America now. Um, but I don't hold any group Responsible for the deterioration of the traditional belief system. I don't I want, think it's the media, and I think it's the far left.
0: Yeah, it is, but I don't want to lose my country. And I have noticed that straight white conservative Christian men of power are hated in America, and I know that that's one of the reasons they hate the president because he put the country first. He's straight. He's white as well. Conservative Christian male. And he is exposing the lie, he's exposing the enemy, and they want these kind of people out. Christianity is hated. And I've never seen it like as much hated today in my
1: entire life. That's because the media promotes that and, and it used to scorn it. And now you can get away with saying the most outrageous things, anti Christian things you want, and no one will be held to account.
0: And the last thing, Bill, I want to tell the folks, they gotta get this book. It's so amazing. Um Personally, and you don't know about this, I didn't like the way the race hustler treated you, Al Sharpton and all those guys. It's like they use you and then they turn on you as they're doing with President Trump. How did you deal with that? What do you think about that, that it happened to you and now it's happening to the president? They're calling him racist before they loved him.
1: I got I got into the racism thing pretty heavily in the book. But I'll tell you a story real quick and I'll let you go. Um, About eight Thanksgivings ago, Al Sharpton came to me and said his National Action Network was out of money and they couldn't buy the usual turkeys for the poor people of Harlem. All right. Yes. I gave him twenty five thousand dollars on the spot. But I told him he couldn't ever tell anybody. Right. Because I wasn't in it for that. But I wanted the people to have their turkeys and Thanksgiving dinner in Harlem. All right. Took the money. Gave the people the turkeys. I don't know if it I don't know if they kept a little of money, but I didn't care. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But you're right. As soon as he had the opportunity, he turned on me. Yeah. Sharpton did. Yeah. Now. You know, that's just the kind of guy he is. So now everybody knows it. And uh maybe he'll uh come back, you know? <laughs> maybe maybe Jesus will inspire him. <laughs> Who knows?
0: I hope so. Bill, did that bother you personally when he did it? Were you surprised?
1: I wasn't surprised. He's had a long history of this kind of nefarious behavior. Um, disappointed? Yes. Surprised? No.
0: Well, Bill, you have made my day by spending time with me. I always enjoy being on your show with you. And I, I always enjoy watching your, your show We you had the O'Reilly Factory because you're just tough on everybody. You know, you just told the truth. Oh, we
1: get to the point. Yeah. But check us out on BillOReilly.com, Reverend. Every night we do the No Spin News. I think you'll enjoy it. And I appreciate you having me on your fine program. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. And thank you again for coming on. Okay. All right. Amazing.
1: All right, Reverend. Thank you again.
0: All right, Bill. I really appreciate it. Okay. All right, folks. That was Bill O'Reilly. Check out his book, The United States of Trump, How the President Really Sees America by Bill O'Reilly. It's really a bestseller, number one. I believe it's number one even now, but check it out. All right? I appreciate it. Let me hear what you think about it. And don't forget to like, follow, tweet, share, sign it. Ring the bell. All right? We're going to take some calls when I come back. Back in a moment.